Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with saxophonist and improviser David Borgo. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Good morning, good afternoon, hello, good day. Welcome to San Diego Sessions. I'm your host, Ed Kornhauser. And I'm your other host, Ian Tordella. And we're uh, lucky enough to be joined here in the studio today by uh, saxophonist, electroacoustic musician, and a professor of music at UCSD, David Borgo. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Good, Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Or afternoon, as it might be, as right. Ed said. Right, because these are podcasts, so these are on demand. Whatever time it is where you are. Yeah, that's what time <laughs> it is for us. <laughs> uh before we get into some of David's music, I have our exciting top of the show segment, This Versus That. These are three questions for Ed Kornhauser uh, involving jazz musicians. I should have studied. <laughs> okay. First up, two guitarists who defined the sound of jazz guitar, Grant Green versus Freddie Green. Oh, um, acoustic versus electric. Oh, wow. This is Bob Dylan pre or post Newport. Um, I'm going to go old school and go Freddie Green. Cause, but I love, I, love, uh, I love Grant Green too. But I'm going to go Freddie Green. I'm going to go because he was such a seminal sound of the Basie band. And yeah, I'm going to go traditional All today. Right. Yes, we had a different day. I'd and he was Grant there Green. like, you know, since the beginning. Yeah. He was there before they started plugging the guitar in. That's true. That, that, that one's really not fair, because on a different day, you'll catch me, and I'll go a totally different route. Those, those two dudes are both amazing. <laughs> okay. You, you really paint me in the corners. These will get better as they go. Maybe. They might. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, another guitarist and uh, California resident, Kenny Burrell, versus the late keyboard icon, Bernie Worrell. Oh, wow. Kenny Burrell lived in San Diego, did he not? I don't know, but he's he's at UCLA. Yeah, he's at UCLA. He's been there for many years. Yeah. He's been he's been, he was here for many years, right? Was I don't know about San Diego. I mean, he's been in Los Angeles for many many years. Oh my! I'm sorry. I'm I had had my coffee. I'm thinking of Barney Kessel. Okay. Not Kenny Burrell. <laughs> uh, the Barney and the, the Burrell. The K and the sorry. B have gotten sorry. switched. I think. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> exactly. That's right. how my mind you works. Got the sorry. initials right. Yeah. I re- yeah. I just put them in reverse. That was my sorry. Um, completely off. Uh. I'm gonna stick with my stick with guitar in this and go uh, Kenny Burrell. All right. Sorry, I I, I apologize for my uh, my misnaming. <laughs> I need more coffee. And last up, and uh, David, you can jump in on this if you want. Saxophonist Eddie Harris versus piano icon and jazz educator 
Barry Harris. Wow. I always got to put in somebody from Detroit. I think my, I think my, uh, I think my answer will probably be fairly clear, but I'll, I'll throw this one to you if you don't mind. <laughs> I mean, I love Eddie Harris is playing, you know, just the early experiments with electronics, the kind of fourth chordal harmony he was after. Yeah. But, but Barry Harris probably influenced generations of jazz musicians as, and, an, as an educator. For and sure. still still is, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. like still doing uh, clinics and classes and lessons. Yeah. What's my favorite Barry Harris quote I heard secondhand was that, you know, he was like, if you want to play bebop, you got to play some triplets. Can't all be eighth notes. Huh. <laughs> huh. I'll remember that later today. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Barry Harris as well, or Harris Barry, if because I'm mixing everything up today. All right. Well, we're gonna kick it off with a tune. This is "Off Your Mark" from David Borgo's album Initial Conditions. <laughs> Thank you. 
We're back on San Diego Sessions with David Borgo, and that was a tune called Off Your Mark, and that featured San Diego's own Duncan Moore on the drums and cymbals and Gunnar Biggs on the bass. That was really cool. And that was your trio, uh, and that was a self-titled album, and the trio was called Initial Conditions. Right. right? What is, uh, we spoke off the air about this, but what does that title sure. refer to? So actually, uh, I guess Gunnar first approached me after I did a radio interview on on the K- KSDS, the local jazz station, hmm. uh, and I was talking about some research I've done on chaos theory, and I wrote a book about improvisation and using kind of the lens of chaos theory. And so initial conditions refers to the idea of an extreme sensitivity to initial conditions. You know, if we're studying something, you can never know absolutely all of the variables at the outset, and therefore in certain very complex situations, that means very quickly things will become unpredictable. And I always like that idea that jazz and improvisation is about that too. You can't know everything about any given moment, and therefore it has the potential to go just about anywhere if you let it. That's true. Humans are uh, we're very complex creatures. You don't know the emotional states or the physical states sure. that all the improvisers are in. You don't know the room acoustics. You don't know what's going to happen in the moment. Yeah, what you had for breakfast that morning. Yeah, it all, <laughs> it all affects you. It's all connected. Oh, very cool. Um, how did you three originally start playing together? How did the trio form? Yeah, so Gunnar reached out, and then we, we just started doing some gigs together, and and the idea, you know, they're obviously two really wonderful musicians, so I like the idea of a collaborative trio. Uh, so we did some of Gunnar's music. I guess we didn't do any compositions by Duncan, but, you know, he's such a an integral part of the sound that it always had a very collaborative feel to me. Um, yeah, we went into the studio at UCSD, where I, where I teach, uh, and it was a one-day one day studio session, kind of like in the old, the old jazz album wow. uh, idea, and I think we mixed it the next day, and it was pretty much done. Wow. Nice. Out. Yeah. It has a big open sound, the recording, you yeah. know, and I can tell you guys are like in a nice room. Yeah. But I love Gunner's bass sound. You know, yeah, it sure. has a real natural bass tone. Sure. So and I know, I mean, he, he played with Buddy Rich back in when was that in the eighties? Yeah, I've or, heard him talk about those those yeah. days for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. save those stories for another podcast. <laughs> the Buddy Rich this stories. is a clean podcast. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember Gunner, Gunner saying at one point Buddy almost killed him for something. <laughs> He definitely has a reputation, yeah. <laughs> Buddy Rich. So did you compose most of the music for this group, or was it between, kind of split between you yeah, and Gunner? Yeah, it's probably 70% mine, although I think we did a Rick Helzer tune. You know, Rick, of oh, course. Yeah, of course. Rick was, yeah. Rick was my piano okay, teacher, yeah. and, for, and for about six-something six years. Okay. And we did a tune by David Ake, who's another pianist, who ah, yeah. I went to grad school with at UCLA. We'll hear a track where he's on a little bit exactly. later. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. So, so I guess I do like p- tunes written by pianists, even though I don't have a pianist in the in that particular trio. <laughs> no, that's a that's a great. That, I mean, yeah, yeah I, pianists have yeah. A, have a natural understanding of harmony. Yeah, I think I think we write pretty cool tunes sometimes. Yeah, but actually, it, yeah, it takes a skill to write a, a tune that has a harmonic implication, but doesn't also need those chords to push it forward. And that's what I like about the sax bass drum trio is it, it has a natural openness to it. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any further like harmonic, rhythmic, or conceptual avenues that you guys specifically set out to employ, or explore, rather? Yeah. Well, I mean, that tune is called Off Your Marks, and it's it's actually based on the old standard Just, Just Friends. Just Friends, yeah. Right? yeah. But we, uh, the melody I wrote 
just sort of truncates a few bars here and there. So there's like beats missing that kind of keep you always on edge. Off, you, your, yeah. off your mark. Yeah, off yeah. Your mark, yeah. I was listening to it trying to think, is there some sort of schema that I'm missing? Because I know it's dropping beats here and there. Or it, I, I was yeah. trying to figure out if it's, if it's just random bars of different time signatures. But sure. I couldn't come up with like, oh, it's a bar of seven and a bar it's, of It's not five. random. It's chaotic. It's Yep. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing it now. I'm understanding. It's deterministic chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to the to the original trio, you sometimes augment the group, uh, or lately anyway, with a with pianist and, and former podcast guest uh, Tobin Chodas. Sure, yeah, Gunn and I have played together a lot through the years, and most recently we've been playing in a quartet with Tobin Chodos. He's actually a doctoral student of mine at UC UCSD, right. a wonderful pianist and composer, and uh, he's the kind of musician that can can sort of knows the tradition, but can also go anywhere the moment demands. Which, I have, which is what I most appreciate. I I I I really value that in his playing as well. I, we had him on the guest, and we got to listen to uh, various comp various things he had written. And yeah, he he definitely runs the gambit from yeah. very modern and avant garde. He knows the tradition, and he writes for uh, orchestra and, and sure. various classical ensembles, and and is just why well, he's a remarkable player. Yeah, I just uh, actually we had a beer last night, and he was talking about he's working on a, an arrangement for the La Jolla Symphony on. Uh, Ornette Coleman's Lonely Woman. I believe, oh, wow. He mentioned, he but he featuring uh, Peter Evans on trumpet and then bass and voice, you know, so those are the three oh. soloists. Yeah. He mentioned that, I believe, when he was yeah. when he was here some many months ago. <laughs> Way it's back not on, about time. <laughs> back on episode number, blah, 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 I don't even know. <laughs> so do you guys have any plans to record with piano? Yeah, you know, I, I should. Tobin and I have gone in the studio to, you know, to lay a few things down as a duo. But that, yeah. it'd be nice to get that quartet in. We've been playing with Andrew Muncy on drums. He's he's actually the staff recording engineer at UCSD. Oh wow! But he studied at Cal Arts with Joe LaBarbera, and you know, he's got really wonderfully sensitive and musical drummer. Wow. Right. And uh, where can people uh, hear you with either the, the trio or the quartet? Do you have any engagements coming up? Sure. Uh, that particular quartet, we're going to play at Dizzy's, of course, the great jazz listening venue, uh, on July 7th. Oh, right. And that's with Andrew and Gunnar and, and, and Tobin, exactly. Tobin. Is Tobin, he's up in um, Long Beach now? He's living up LA? towards LA, but he's, he's down in San Diego still teaching courses and finishing his studies, so... Oh, brilliant. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear you two together. I don't think I've got to hear a recording of you two okay. actually playing together. Yeah. So that'd be really fun. Sure. Um, not to shift okay. topics abruptly, but uh, as I mentioned before, you're, uh, you dabble in electroacoustic music, and uh, we just talked about some very acoustic music. So <laughs> let's uh, get to the electro sure. side of things. You have a duo called uh, Kyborg, which sounds like the most science fiction-y thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> It sounds like some sort of, you know, alien race or something. Sure, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's obviously a play on cyborg. Uh, I mean, it's my last name, Borgo, and my collaborator's last name is Kaiser, so it made a nice kind of compound word. Now, who? Now, this is uh, Jeff Kaiser, uh -huh. your, your cohort in this a ensemble. Very dubious exactly. character. <laughs> do you know? Do you know him? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. I played with Jeff some. Oh, and wow. he also he used to teach at at USD. Exactly. Uh, where I teach saxophone. Yeah, I think, I mean, we did yeah. sell a couple gigs at the Loft, but I don't even remember. They were part of some larger ensemble. Sure. I can't, Nathan Hubbard was there. It's just a foggy memory at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Jeff's playing. Yeah, I have many foggy uh, memories involving Nathan Hubbard. <laughs> I mean that in the fondest possible sense, I swear. <laughs> uh, well, to give you guys an idea of, of this band, we're going to hear a little clip 
from Kyborg's Vibrant Matters. And again, this is a duo of David Borgo on saxophone and electronics and Jeff Kaiser on, is it just trumpet or flugelhorn uh, on here? Quarter-tone trumpet he quarter often tone, plays. Quarter-tone trumpet and electronics. So that was a bit of a departure from our last tune, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, tell us, our listeners, a little bit uh, about the concept of this duo you have with Jeff. Yeah, we've been playing together maybe five years now, five or six years. And the idea is to incorporate live signal processing, so computers and electronics sort of augmenting or hybridizing, you know, with our with our acoustic horns. Uh it's it's improvisation, so we don't ever you know plan out specific aspects of a performance. I mean, that being said, of course, you're working with electronics, so you have to, you know, you have to do a lot of sort of configuring uh, the system the way you want it to uh, work, so that you can then in real time, uh, in, you know, have it feel yeah. as quick and as as flexible as your horn does. Use it as an instrument. Yeah, which yeah. is which is always the challenge. It's the challenge is when you incorporate electronics to keep that that uh, in the moment yeah. aspect of improvisation yeah and well and for our listeners a lot of what we heard it is incorporates like you said it's live stuff so it's live sampling you're actually taking what you're doing acoustically and then processing yeah. it on the spot yeah that's i mean uh, i guess our aesthetic is right we don't use any pre-recorded samples we don't use any even synthesized sounds it's all acoustic sounds that are processed in real time I was curious that so there was something in the middle there that I was going to ask about yeah. that sounded like yeah. the horn lines from the beginning, but like right. run through. Yeah. I, I don't know what exactly. We but. do use loopers and things like that. Okay. So uh, although rarely loopers that are meant to, you know, synchronize, you know, right. m more sort of loopers that have layers, you know, sort of flexible layers. It almost sounded like you were maybe playing the tracks, playing your own sample maybe backwards yeah. or. I, I do love the sound of, of backwards processing right. or reverse. Yeah. 
I felt uh, I felt like you know I was hearing satanic verse there for a second. I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding, bad joke. No, uh, but we definitely. I mean, we we embrace the full sound spectrum. I guess is one way to think about it. So there will be noisy moments in any given kyborg performance, and then there'll be kind of beautiful. We, a lot of listeners used to even because of our personalities, there's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. You know, sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll I'll be the one who brings maybe these. Even I have like a lot of non-Western winds that I play, you know, yeah. flutes, I was, flutes and things like that. I was going to ask you actually because I looked at the uh, I looked at the uh, personnel yeah, list, the, which the, is just YouTube, but yeah. it lists your instruments. I'm like, I don't know what half of yeah, these things some are. Some of them are things I've sort of, you know, put together with uh, with chewing gum. Uh, you know, other things, <laughs> <laughs> other things are you know very traditional instruments that I've just you know, but I play in a very non-traditional fashion. Yeah. But I was going to say I, I I often sort of bring in a, a certain sort of melodic even modal sound you know when we do longer performances and then jeff has a very kind of angular spiky noisiness to what he loves to explore for the listener it's a nice balance of of things and when you perform live do you incorporate other forms of of media as well like vi we, video yeah, or... we've occasionally worked with video artists uh, like vjs essentially um or we've done our own video uh you know that will interact with the sound as well but I guess the pure the pure duo is just just up us up on stage with some electronics. Ah, very yeah. cool. So for the the nerds out there, are you mainly using stuff like Ableton? Or are you incorporating effects pedals and other stuff sure. as well? Or so uh, most of it's done in Max Max MSP, which is oh, the yeah. programming language. Although more recently, I've there's so much now on an iPad that you can do. I, I also have a really super portable rig that just uses an iPad. But you're right, you have to somehow get some controller data in there. And so we, we have different foot pedal configurations. And I also wear, sometimes on my thumb, it's called a hot hand, but it's just a three-axis accelerometer that essentially it's, you know, it's providing data based on me swinging my hand around or yeah. just swinging the horn around or all of that can be used to affect the sound. It wow. also gives him extreme strength, like Biff in Back to the Future too. <laughs> I was going to say like, <laughs> I was going to say like Tony Stark, like an yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, you recently did a, a sort of mini tour with this, uh, this duo. Where, where did you go? Sure. Uh, well, we went to New York, New York City, Brooklyn. We, we played, uh, there's an improvisation series there that we played. And then we guested in a professor's computer music class at, compu at, uh, at Brooklyn College. And then there was a two-day electroacoustic improvisation festival that we went to, and we were sort of the closing the closing performance. Uh, you know, it's great to you go to those sorts of things, and there's so many different approaches to how to incorporate electronics and improvisation. You learn a lot just by you know getting to know other people working in the in the field and and seeing and hearing what they're up to. I mean, just like with recording or even playing bebop, you know, there's no right approach sure. there's so many different ways to fry an egg yeah of course but, i mean I've, I've i haven't jumped dived into the laptop thing yet i've mainly been working with pedals when i want to make my saxophone sound funny sure. but <laughs> same, same same here i'm, I'm but trying I like the limitations of having like a pedal board rig yeah before i go into like ableton yeah or, i mean like, the thing the computer adds is customizability if you really want to make it yeah. you know custom and it's easy and, and reliable. I mean, sometimes if you have a bunch, if you have 10 effects pedals in front of you and, you know, something goes wrong, then... Yeah, the whole system goes <laughs> the down. The whole thing goes down. Well, that, that can happen with any time you use electronics. But I know Jason Robinson, who used to be over at UCSD with uh -huh. you, another saxophonist, um, he had started with a pedal, pedal rig and then went to laptop and then I think went back and then 
sort of back and forth. Yeah, sometimes it's just uh, the pragmatics of you know how much space you got in your luggage and, uh, <laughs> and right, what's yeah. going to be most reliable on stage. Yeah. Um, where can people hear more from uh, Kyborg? From Kyborg, so we have two albums out now. Uh, the first one was called Harvesting Metadata. I which uh, I am holding yeah. here in my hand, actually. And the most it's recent one's sponsored called... by the NSA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sponsored by Cambridge Analytica. Actually, you know where that name came from is when uh, when we were updating Max MSP, uh, you know, going from one version to the next. It it took a few minutes, and it, it had a message saying it was harvesting metadata, and I thought, oh, that sounds creepy, rather yeah. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the most recent album's called Vibrant Matters. Well, you heard the title, yeah, part but, of the title yeah, track from that. That was sort of a, an excerpt, yeah, sort of almost like a pastiche of, because most of the songs, you know, are in the 10 to 15 minute range. And when Kyberg performs live, it's always sort of an uninterrupted 45 minutes or so of, of improvising together. Very cool. Now, not to shift gears yet again. <laughs> I like shifting gears. But check, yeah, I know. We, we, yeah, I saw you on your way up. You ride a motorcycle, actually. That's, that's true, too. <laughs> I, I, I saw you, you saw you getting off your bike. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I knew that, but I forgot that you ride a, you ride a bike. <laughs> what better place to do it than San Diego? <laughs> that's true, yeah. Um, you've got yet another ensemble. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a bit larger. Sure. This is a, like a, sep, a septet, I believe. Yeah, it's gotten up to seven musicians in recent iterations. And this is called a chronomorphic. Right. This came together with a with a, a good friend of mine from my days at UCLA. He was also in the ethnomusicology program there. He's a drummer, percussionist, composer named Paul Pellegrin. We've stayed in touch over the years, and uh, you know, I really he sent me some tracks of you know of of compositions he'd been working on, and he. As a drummer, he really thinks about time and shaping time, chronomorphic, you know, the idea of morphing time. And he's really involved with the idea of polymeter, so having multiple meters sort of coexist uh, simultaneously. So, like, yeah, the, the first chronomorphic album had a lot of sort of triple-layered meters, like, you know, three against four against five, six against seven against nine, wow. you know, eight against 12 against 15. You get the idea, the... My head hurts, yeah, but I yes, <laughs> I do. But actually, um, you know what what he does, and you know, and what we do together, because we end up collaborating on the music. You know, he sort of creates these rhythmic, these polymeters that that, in fascinating ways, work together, even though they shouldn't. Like to give you an example, I think the one we're actually going to hear is simultaneously in in nine and thirteen. Hmm. And nine and thirteen don't even you know three nines are twenty seven, but two thirteens are twenty six. You Oof. know, there's no easy way to get them to. It'll link up every two hundred and ninety seven yeah. years, or something like that. <laughs> but but the way that he conceives of these things, there's kind of interlocking phrases that that help those two otherwise you know incompatible meters work together. Um, and that's what I like about the music we do together is that it has it's. The melodies actually are, to me, remarkably approachable. Now, yeah, I've noticed it too. Even as the rhythms are brain twisting. Yeah. It's a cool thing to have like the dissonance really come from the rhythm and the time as opposed right. to, not that there's not dissonance in the harmony as well, but like sure. the main point of dissonance is the is the conflicting and contrasting yeah. time and rhythmic feels. And I've always I've always loved that, that tension in the in the time and the rhythm as opposed to the tension in the, the melody and the... And the harmony, yeah, not that, that there's not that as well, but yeah, I've always loved that. That's a great that. way to explain it, yeah. And, and actually, I mean, I think sometimes jazz musicians, maybe horn players in particular, or, you know, or others that think 
melodically do get kind of caught up in the idea of have to play the hippest, you know, colorful dissonant note or something. But sometimes, but, it, yeah. uh, you know, the note in the right place yeah. is, you know. Yeah, and jazz, obviously rhythm is, you know, the, the key component of any music, but jazz in particular. Well, not not to get too much into shop talk, but sure. how, how do you go about working on those kind of rhythms? And was it a bit of a, an adjustment? It was a huge adjustment, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess everything I do, I try to challenge myself, you know, throw myself in a new musical realm that is going to be, you know, difficult at first. You know, working with electronics is a challenge always, but yeah. in these kind of metrical realms, you know, I mean, I obviously you think about it intellectually, but rhythm has to be internalized, you to, yeah. so you have to live with it, and you have to just... Uh, have to eventually know, feel it. Yeah. So the tune we have queued up is called Rhizome, but maybe uh, tell us a little bit about the other people in the band here besides Paul on the drums. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the group's had a bit of a shifting personnel. Um, I mean, the original album had Danny Weller and had, had um, some wonderful musicians from San Diego. This most recent album has Peter Sprague, we'll hear on this track. He does a wonderful guitar intro. Anthony Smith, the vibraphonist who used to live around these parts. John Actually, Fumo. he's back. Is he? Yeah, he's that's right. I've town. heard it. He's yeah. back, yeah. You can jo- hear all about it on the San Diego Sessions podcast. Very <laughs> nice, very nice. <laughs> oh, he came in and did an interview. He has a great new book uh, interviewing different Oh, bi- yeah, I've read his, uh, at least one of his books, so. probably his first one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sort of an autobiography, yeah. Um, John Fumo, who's a trumpet player up in L.A. Ben Schachter, the saxophonist who also used to uh, live, around, here, live yeah. around here, he came in and laid down some you know, additional saxophone lines. Andy Zacharias plays bass. He's up in L.A. with with Paul Pellegrin on drums. There's a guitarist, Paul Garrison, who does sort of textural, ambient guitar work. But yeah, Mark Dresses also play with the group. Michael Dessen, Brad Dutz. You know, it's sort of, like I said, it's sort of a revolving cast of characters. I, I believe Peter Sprague also plays. Yeah, on Peter's the, on this one, and yeah, he does guitar the guitar play. intro well here. Yeah. Thank you. 
I'm Rob Thorson, and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Listen online, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mandy Joe, and here's your jazz forecast for April 30th through May 6th. Monday, April 30th, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, and it's 21 and up. Tuesday, May 1st. The Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session, kicks off downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. Wednesday, May 2nd. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music is from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. Thursday, May 3rd, Lorraine Castellanos and Friends plays some jazz, Latin tunes, and other favorites at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Trumpeter Gary Rich brings back his first Thursday jam session to the Hanlery Hotel from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring Jason Chatil on piano, Dean Hewlett on bass, and Duncan Moore on drums. The Brad Steinway Jazz Orchestra pays tribute to the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra at Dizzy's. Music kicks off at 8 p.m., Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Check out the jam session at the Ken Club, hosted by saxophonists Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music is from 9 p.m. to midnight. $5 cover, but musicians get them for free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, May 4th, Parisian pianist Tony Tixier plays at the Hanlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. with Mackenzie Layton on bass and Tyler Cotel on drums. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. The Danny Green Trio plus strings celebrates their new album, One Day at Will, at Panama 66 inside the James S. Copley Auditorium, featuring bassist Justin Grinnell and drummer Julian Kenthelm, as well as a string quartet. Tickets are $15 general admission and $25 for front row seats. Tickets available at dannygreen.net as well as panama66.com. May the 4th be with you. Violinist Jamie Shadowlight explores the music of Star Wars in a jazz context at Dizzy's, featuring pianist Mikan Zlakovich, bassist Will Lyle, drummer Duncan Moore, and percussionist Monette Marino. Music starts at 8 p.m. Cover is $15, cash or Venmo, and costumes are encouraged. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11 p.m. Across the street, the Whitney Shea Quartet plays at the U.S. Grant from 8 p.m. to midnight. Saturday, May 5th. Pianist and podcast host Ed Kornhauser plays solo piano at Maritalia Ristorante on Coronado from 5.30 to 8.30. Singer Coral McFarland Tewitt and her trio play downtown at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. Sunday, May 6th, pianist Irving Flores and singer Rachel DiCucu play a jazz brunch at Maritalia Ristorante at noon. Hugo Suarez takes over at 5.30. The Whitney Shea Quartet plays on the patio at the Bernardo Winery in Rancho Bernardo, playing some high-energy jazz and blues from 2 to 5 p.m. No cover in all ages. Dancers are welcome. Vocalist Leonard Patton and our very own Edward Kornhauser play their monthly first Sunday engagement at the Turf Supper Club in Golden Hill from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, and it's 21 and older. 
You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. And we're back for episode 36 of San Diego Sessions. We're coming to you almost live at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company here in an undisclosed location outside of downtown San Diego. Wow, 36. They grow up so fast. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see some pictures, and sometimes we have video extras and other uh, postings, you can follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. Or follow us on Facebook at San Diego Sessions. And if you'd like to drop us an email, or if you want to be a guest on the show or have any destructive criticism, send us an email the address is sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you could uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you like us and are feeling super generous, leave us a nice review or give us a nice five-star rating. Uh, but if you don't like us, just stay away from those options. Just steer clear and let your bitterness and rage just stew inside <laughs> just of you. Stew- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't let it come anywhere near the review button. Just- Make those feelings go back inside. Or no, no, no. Turn them into something positive, like garden or something. You know, get into, take up a hobby. All right. Use that anger. Use it productively. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the week, the San Diego 7, featuring Edward Theodore Kornhauser and our guest, David Borgo. Yes, this is the San Diego 7. These are seven uh, questions uh, that we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Okay. I'll do my best. (laughs) Uh, number one, uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had, uh, my wife makes a kind of, we call it chocolate pudding, but it's actually vegan and it's, uh, it has sort of oatmeal and all sorts of delicious stuff mixed together with a little cocoa powder. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds delicious. The kids love it. (laughs) Um, number two, what was the first concert or musical experience you remember seeing? Remember seeing. Or hearing. Here, you know yeah. who you know who my first big saxophone idol was was Grover Washington Jr. Oh and wow! I, I heard him live maybe three times while I was still in high school. Oh very he cool! He was just so soulful and you know melodic and beautiful sound and that's exactly how I wanted to play the saxophone when I was in high school. Huh. Right on! That would definitely make a profound impact on yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah, that's rad. I actually had some Gro- uh, Grover disc. I mean, because this was back in the early days of the compact disc. So I think in my dad's collection. There was a like one Coltrane thing, Miles Davis kind of blue. We had bootlegged onto a cassette, and then a best of Grover Washington. Sure, but <laughs> yeah, no, he he was he was great, absolutely. Well, plus I, I love hearing Harvey Mason on that old stuff. Like after Harvey Mason left the Headhunters, uh-huh. he's on so many of those studio records that are just you know it's just straight up funk. Before before the jazz got a little watered down on that side of things before the 80s yeah (laughs) if you could scale any animal down or up to the size of a horse what would it be and why and for the record i'm reusing this question from a long ago interview with i don't remember who so it it could be scaling an animal larger than a horse down to a horse or an animal smaller than a horse up to a horse this could be inspiration for you know a new kyborg record yeah, or yeah. composition right. or mad I th- scientist. I think, I mean, ants have always fascinated me, uh, you know, as a kind of social insect and the way they communicate and interact. 
it's, and they're so strong for their size already. It would be kind of interesting to see what they would look like as a horse. Have you not seen the 1950 something movie Them? Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Well, I'm, I'm optimistic that they would somehow be friendly. <laughs> they're amazing. I always think that we don't have to look like to the stars for like alien life. Yeah, ants are just the the whole like hive mentality and the fact that they will. They have they absolutely will sacrifice themselves for the for the colony, yeah. and the way they behave is just total drones supporting a large organization. Yeah. Well, not that, to, yeah, not to plug my book, but it's titled "Sink or Swarm," and ah. you know, so it, it talks a bit about swarm dynamics, you know, with ants and of course bees, and you know, the the whole idea of how these almost sort of meta organisms, super organisms, yeah. operate. Yeah, because they, they are sort yeah. of they're yeah. one they're one yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That would be, I admit, that ants fascinate me, but I got to say, an, a horse-sized ant would be terrifying. <laughs> and then again, my last name is Borgo, but Borg, right? The Borg is, was a, also a sort of super organism to be feared. Uh, true. <laughs> we, 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 we may or may not get to that later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, number four, uh, what musicians, jazz or otherwise, who employ polymetric music are you inspired by? You know, Steve Coleman came to UCSD, uh, I guess just earlier this year, yeah, in the fall. Huh. Uh, and he did a wonderful concert with his trio, and then he did two days of workshops. And he's someone whose music I've always respected, you know, just because there's so much going on in it metrically and rhythmically and poly polyrhythmically. Uh, but this time, you know, I've heard him before, but this time it really kicked, clicked for me, and I, you know, enjoyed the concert immensely. And when he to hear him talk about how he conceptualizes his music was pretty darn impressive. Wow. Did it sort of help shape your idea of of, of polyrhythms, or, or like maybe inspire you a little bit? To... Yeah, I mean, well, it, like well, like Ian said earlier, you know, there's many ways to fry an egg. So there's <laughs> all sorts of people working in you know in these complex metric realms, coming up with very different sounds, but all pretty darn fascinating. Wow, very cool, yeah. very cool. Was he playing music from like a recent recording or? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know which albums things were off of. I mean, he's been doing this, you know, this kind of original music for 30 plus years or more. I so. think there's a bit of, from the recent time he was out here, there's some video you can find from Blue Whale. Oh, I'll check with that With the out. group, yeah. Uh, number five, this is this versus that, kind of like the beginning with me and Ian. Um, iconic saxophonist and member of Woody Herman's band, Zoot Sims. Sure. Or iconic saxophonist and member of Dr. Teeth, and the electric mayhem, Zoot. <laughs> Wait, Zoot? I'm not sure I know Zoot. Zoot oh, is, oh, the Muppets. The, yeah, Muppet. the Muppets, yeah. yeah, yeah the Muppet. course, He's yeah, the blue yeah. one. He's the blue <laughs> saxophone gotcha, player. Yeah. Well, as a kid, it probably would have been the Muppet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as an adult. Uh, actually, I mean, I, I used to play when I lived in D.C. in the Baltimore area with a group that did a lot of older, like, swing and ragtime. It was called the Peabody Ragtime Ensemble. Hmm. But, uh... At that time, I was I was listening to a lot of Zoot Sims just to really get that vibe because he had such a great rhythmic drive and you know melodic sense. And, yeah. So you're going to go with the classic saxophone as opposed to a burnt out puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Both are good in my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, number six, uh, this versus that again. Okay, and you sort of already kind of spoiled my surprise here. Uh, the alien race of cyborgs from the Delta Quadrant with a collective hive mind uh. known as the Borg from Star Trek, or the rare opening chess move where the Queen's Pawn is moved ahead two spaces, the Borg defense. Uh. I wish I were a better chess player, so I guess I'll have to go with my 
my my alien counterparts they i i mean the game of kings or uh, you know a hive mind uh race of cybernetic beings it's a tough call one is real though so that helps yeah <laughs> um what is real after all yeah that's true um number seven and this is a free interpreted question pineapples on pizza yeah, but Lake, no ham, please. <laughs> no bacon. No ham. Are you that brings us back or? to our yeah, bacon question. Yeah, we've been eating vegan mostly these days. Oh, yeah. wow. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that was the San Diego 7 with Borg and uh, Corn <laughs> Hauser. <laughs> Children of the corn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, David, you have a, a few other upcoming gigs. Uh, in addition to July 7th, you're at Dizzy's mm-hmm. with, with Gunner Biggs on bass. Tobin Chodos on piano and Duncan on on drums. Um, what else do you have coming up? So I've been playing a lot with Lynn Willard, who's a really wonderful pianist in town. And oh wow, great! We're going to do a duo thing up in Irvine, I think, coming up pretty soon. But I wish I had more on the calendar in San Diego. Hmm. But uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm now the chair of the department at UCSD, so I I stay busy with yeah. lots of lots of administration and oh, teaching I'm, and all sorts of craziness. I'm sure you get plenty of free time with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we all we all stay busy in lots of ways, you know. It's the only way to go these days. This is true. This is our this is our this podcast has been our latest. Hey, we're not busy enough. Let's do this really time consuming yeah. thing. Well, it's a great thing you're doing though for the community and everything else. Yeah. We we enjoy it. Yeah. Um, Will there be any other uh, Jeff Kaiser sightings in 2018? Yeah, he. I mean, he brought me out to his university. He's now teaching at the University of Central Missouri. Uh, so he's not around as much, but we stay in touch, and he'll definitely come back to San Diego soon. And if people want to find out more, they can, uh, I believe, visit your website with a list of current Yeah, the yeah, web's up there, lots of audio to be found, videos, but nothing beats live music, you're right. This is, this is, this is true. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is true. But, All right, uh, so come out on July 7th to Dizzy's. <laughs> yeah, or if you're in Irvine, uh, definitely uh, check out that performance with, uh, with Lynn. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. It's yeah, been thank you guys. It's been an adventure, a sonic landscape. Yeah, yeah. we've yeah. gone from ants to, to aliens. Right, exactly. Well, I, I consider ants aliens. I mean, I know they're from the Earth, so it doesn't count, but like they've, compared to humans, they're so different. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to take it out with one more track. This is off your first record, I think. This is the title track of your... Is it your first record? Yeah, that's right. With and Against is the name of the album and the song. From back in... Uh, we're going to party like it's 1999. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I was I, ch- I chose this because I it still has that kind of chemistry that you love to hear in great improvised music, and I guess it makes me happy. I can still enjoy something from twenty years ago. It's it's a it's a great record. I was listening to it yesterday, and this features uh, uh, pianist you mentioned earlier, David Ake, uh-huh. uh, Todd Sikafus on bass, and uh, former Southern California resident Mark Ferber on drums. That's right. We brought up on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, and this is the title track with and against.
You've been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.